GenAI, a lot of desk workers, knowledge workers will be replaced. I mean, it's it's obvious for me that that's the, the percentage of population that will be replaced. And productivity will increase in that sector, in the tech sector, in the administrative sector, financial sector, et cetera. Services sector, Services. Yeah. But what's going to be left behind is actually the, the critical infrastructure, the utilities, the oil and gas, the plumbing, everything that's actually powering up our world, right? Just stop it. The run-of-the-mill cheesy humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women with errors in their backs who go through hell to achieve their goals. They'll go through anything to make it. They bathe in hell and high water, a cut above. They're intolerant to mediocrity, the status quo, and yet they're the nicest people you'll ever meet. This is Disruption Interruption. Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. This show is sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today to talk to another industry leader that has steered off the lame, tired path of the status quo. Our guest today is an innovative disruptor who is reshaping the tech landscape for the greater good. In the realm of field services, where small and medium-sized businesses and industries such as oil and gas, energy, renewables, HVAC, plumbing, and more, this leader and his company are driving remarkable change. But what sets this guest apart? It all starts with his compelling story about his father and the origins of his entrepreneurial drive and how he harnessed his passion to revolutionize the field sector. Now, here's an eye-opening fact. 98% of venture capital-funded companies are focused on desk jobs, while a staggering 80% of the population works outside the traditional office environment. Our guest is challenging this paradigm by empowering vocational professions, an area where the U.S. faces a shortage of skilled workers due to an overemphasis on degrees that don't necessarily align with available job opportunities. And moreover, this issue is even more pronounced in Europe with an aging population and an influx of immigrants. This leader and his team are leveraging the power of AI to bridge the gap and help field service companies achieve more with fewer resources. Get ready to be inspired by this remarkable leader who's changing the status quo for the greatest good. Please welcome our disruptor, Dragos Grozavu, co-founder and CEO of Epitet.co. Thanks for the introduction. I can see that you did your homework properly with all the <laughs> statistics and so on. <laughs> yes, I did. Well, you know, I only like doing this podcast on things that I'm super interested in. And service-based industries, SMBs, powering the Davids to go against the Goliaths or, you know, be a compete against the Goliaths is near and dear to me. And it's been something that you've seen this pent-up demand boil over since the pandemic. I mean, it's boiled over. The pandemic took off the lid. And you have disruptors like you that have said, that's freaking it. I'm changing the status quo. I'm doing something about it. And it's opening up new markets. It's opening up the M&A market to this particular area. SMBs are getting their 
we call it their day, right? <laughs> their day in the sunshine. Absolutely. Yes. It's the backbone of most countries' economies, right? Absolutely. And then I, I wouldn't focus just on the SMBs, but also like the larger enterprises where a lot of these S-class workers, how uh, I like to call them, are working in. So they are indeed powering up our economy with over 2 billion of them worldwide. As you very well mentioned in, in the intro, Europe, the West, the Western world in general are, are facing a, a huge, huge problem in this sense because of the aging population and because people just don't like to, to, to do these types of jobs anymore. Everyone wants to do a desk job, work in, I don't know, tech or PR, like, like the two of us. Uh, <laughs> yes. So I think we were facing and we're fighting an optimization challenge in this sense. So we need to do more with less in the future, right? Yes. And, you know, I, it's very interesting to me that you mentioned it's not just SMBs. I mean, the $2 billion that work for the enterprises. I mean, I didn't even know that. It's $2 billion in total, actually. Deskless wow. workers. That's Deskless workers. That's crazy. Or people that don't work at the desk. Yeah, that's a huge amount of people. Oh, huge. yeah, absolutely. So before we really dive into that, because I want to really sure. get into that, tell our listeners... What is your fundamental gradient for disruptive innovation? Absolutely. So we're solving one of the, the largest challenges there. So optimizing schedules for desk-to-desk workers, and specifically field service workers, is one of the most challenging of all optimization problems because there is an extreme variability in workforce types, operations, as well as across sectors and businesses, making these solutions super hard to, to standardize. So we're using AI. I know that it's a term that's widely used right now, but it's more towards the LLM space, generative AI, language processing, and, and so on. But what we're actually doing is using a machine, an algorithm, to do what humans can't do so well, right? Which is analyzing the large amount of data and then using that to plan and schedule the workforce in an efficient manner. You know, when you look at this, right? I mean, this is not your first rodeo, obviously. And coming to this point where you're pioneering that, you've always looked at things from a certain lens. You've seen things differently than anybody else has seen it, right? Absolutely. How would you describe that for yourself? The way I approached my yeah, like what My is your common career? denominator? Yeah, like, you know, you've, we're going to get into this story, but how you've seen things, like you look at things like there's got to be a better way. You take something that is almost going to be an existential crisis one day, right? But you look at it differently. So if you had to summarize that for you, like, this is how I look at things. This is how I change things. This is how I pioneer things. What would that be? Good question. So the way I, I approach, I'm more passionate about the problems that I am to, to be solving versus being passionate about a certain technology that can be used now because it's the right time, right? So whenever I, I founded a business, I always look, okay, what's the problem that I can solve, right? How many people is this problem impacting? What is the business take here? How large is the is the impact in terms of revenues, profits, efficiency worldwide, productivity, which is has me always kind of on my mind. I've always been kind of a productivity 
geek, so to say, always being passionate about I don't know, productivity systems, to-do lists, even from when I was like a, a young kid. Now I, with some experience at 30, <laughs> I, I kind of like fallen back on this and everything is like far more simple. I use like a simple getting things done system, but that's, that's another story. But yeah, I start with a problem, then I figure out, okay, what can I do better to, to solve this problem than the competition or the, the status quo? And this is very interesting because usually when I talk about competition, I think that the status quo is the largest one, right? I see uh-huh. the way people are doing things and the way it's so hard to, to change people. And I believe that this is actually the biggest com- competition in, in every business, right? Because you're either replacing, I don't know, pen and paper, but then you have to replace a manual digital system. And then now you have AI, right? Which in the future will probably replace everything. So that's kind of what I call it. And then, of course, is the technology part, which is essential. You can't really uh, move it aside or you can't do anything innovative or disruptive without it. And then I, I try to figure out, okay, what's the best technology that me and my team can apply to solve this problem? That's amazing. So I hear a lot of disruptors talk about solving a problem that no one else has had, but you have a really strategic approach to this. But there is one thing I will say that you align with other disruptors that I've spoken to is that you all have a big purpose to help. You know, solving a problem is helping. And that is a huge factor in all disruptors. They're just not trying to shake up the market. They truly want to do something for the greater good. So you have this story to how this started for you, right? Mm -hmm. Before we get into that, let's really go over these workers that are not behind the desk, right? And the inefficiencies that are going on in this particular, like, you know, landscape, vocational jobs and so forth. Like, how would you... If you were going to educate our audience from knowing nothing, what are some of the things that you would tell us? So yeah, as I said in the in the beginning, these people are the people that are running our economies. No matter which country you're in, you need people that do maintenance for utilities, people that do maintenance for energy companies, for oil and gas, for plumbing, heating, everything that's kind of unseen by people that that sit behind a desk, right? So. I think that these companies are usually overlooked because everyone perceives them as old money or old school companies, right? Which are just like stuck in their way of doing things and we're not even going to try to solve this or to solve problems for them, right? Which confers an advantage because there is less competition in the space. So the way it usually works, you have some work orders, right? So let's take the example of renewable energy. You have some solar panels, you're a solar company, you have solar projects, and you have to install some solar panels. Usually the way this works is you have a client who says, hey, I need this installed on 600 California Street in San Francisco. Then a dispatcher has to figure out all the team's schedules. Let's assume you have like 20, 30, 50 teams, 100 people, depending on the size of the company. And this dispatcher, which is usually one dispatcher for every 50 employees, 50 technicians that are in the field, she needs to figure out exactly where is everyone at a certain time frame, how long does it take them 
to get from point A to point B? What tools do they need? What's the best way to do it? Do we prioritize an installation? Do we prioritize the maintenance? Do we prioritize a repair somewhere else? So all these stuff, as you can imagine, are like super hard to, to grasp. So this is kind of what, what we're trying to achieve with, with the product. So And what's currently going on with that? Because it sounds to me like there's sort of a triage that has to happen. And they have to understand not only that, but the schedule of the service-based you know, industry people, where they are. There might be multiple locations. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the travel time. They have to know the areas. The skills of the people are very important because... If a major disruption is happening in utilities, for example, we need a certain type of technician versus the one you would need to just install a solar panel. So all these things need to be taken into consideration in real time. And actually, the biggest disruption happens when something is not at its place, when a worker gets sick, when there's like there are traffic jams, when, I don't know, some tools are missing from the toolbox. And so on. So you need to be able to, to react to real time in order to optimize the scheduling and make sure that projects are delivered on time and on budget, which is actually the main goal of, of every project out there. Right. On time and on budget. Paint a, paint a picture for me more. Like I'm trying to think, like you mentioned several, but you know, like energy and solar panels. I didn't even think of that, right? These are service-based industries that are running the country. And you mentioned 2 billion workers worldwide. We've mentioned HVAC. We've mentioned, you said energy, oil and gas. Give me an example of oil and gas. I mean, oil and gas is basically every big company, like, I don't know, like Shell or ExxonMobil, like every every big company. And the service guys, what are the service guys doing? I mean, think about all those large pipes, right? All those large pipes need maintenance. Need repair from time to time. I mean, you do schedule maintenance, like I don't know, maybe once in six months, but more often than not, happens that one of these pipes bursts open and you need to go fix it because otherwise you have a, an oil leak, like in the Gulf of Mexico, right? So you need to be able to send the right people and the right time at the at the right place. It's very critical for the infrastructure that's running our our world, actually. Yeah, and you think about it, us that are at desk jobs and things like that, we just take these for granted. Absolutely. We don't really see or know. It's good that you're painting the picture, Absolutely. right? Because you're like, oh, yes, that's right. So what is the current status quo that's happening right now that makes it so inefficient? So we're dealing with, first of all, a lot of manual work. I had a consulting company back in the days, and we work with, I think, the largest chemical company in the world. I'm not going to, to name it where they had to schedule people for medical exams. Working in a chemical environment, obviously you need to do specific health exams. I don't know, eye check, heart check, lung, and all sorts of stuff. And we noticed that they actually don't even have like a, an ERP system or an HCM system in which they do this. They just had people like managers from the health department going into the factory and figuring out who's available when, looking at, at the shift and the schedule, and then just pulling them one by one into the, the medical checkup. So this is like one instance I've discovered. And I that, that's kind of what also planted the seed and grew the seed in my mind that scheduling is actually a, a humongous problem to, to solve. 
And this is a huge, I mean, obviously a, a big company. And you would think most people think, especially legacy companies and bigger enterprise, that they have these solutions figured out. You would think so. I, I also felt so when I, I I got amazed when I, I went in and, and saw what we're dealing with. Thirty thousand people, it's <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. And this is a not this is a routine thing that they have to go absolutely, through. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's 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 life critical, right? Because I don't know, you need these lung checks just to make sure that, I don't know, they're all right after being exposed to various chemicals over a prolonged period of time. Right. Yes, exactly. That's one of the examples of the status quo that I've been facing. And that I think everyone's face, I don't know, plumbers who say they come at 2 p.m. or they say they come between 12 p.m. and 6 p.m. and then you have to be at home all time, right? And they're late. And all this happens because... Of course, there are like other tech companies out there that do kind of the digitalization of this process, but none of them do the optimization of the process. Give me an example of the optimization that would make it better. So they're doing the digitalization, I get that, but the optimization is not there. So the optimization will be done by our AI tool. And whenever a technician, let's say plumbing, whenever a plumber starts his day, he will see exactly where he needs to be in real time, right? So he will have a clear picture of where he has to be, what tools he needs to bring, how long, based on previous engagement or project, how long will it take him to be there, right? And then basically being able to deliver the project all time and on budget is what we're doing. And whenever a disruption comes in, I don't know, there, there are traffic jams at San Diego, then we would be able to reroute them. Sure, through Google uh, Maps APIs and Waze and so on, we're not we're not building our role there because it's there's so much information there about uh, it's already there. Happening. Yeah, exactly. So we take all that information and we deliver a, an almost perfect schedule. Let's say that, and then the client is happy. The technician gets paid on time. There are no complaints, and it's also good for for the business. Yes, yes, definitely optimizes it, makes it more efficient. And what about the quality of life of the workers? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the best things that will happen, in my opinion, because a lot of these workers are kind of kept in the dark by the dispatcher, by the company, which is not necessarily done on purpose, but it's just too much information to deal with. And then the information isn't delivered to these technicians that are on the field on time, right? So then they need to always figure out, yeah, okay, today I'm working overtime. I have no idea. I'm going to be late to my family dinner. I'm going to be late for my kid's birthday. And all, all these stuff are actually eating into your personal life, right? And, and into your on-job happiness. And let's just look at the venture capital side of it that are, haven't even been interested in this before. There's massive opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Here. Not just to raise funds, but the purpose of that is being able to build systems and processes that are going to, you know, revolutionize particular industries, create more efficiencies, more jobs, right? Do you have any prediction of, you know, that or that market, if it was really tapped into of what it could do to our, like, global economy or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, as you've mentioned in the, in the intro, the funding goes mostly to the companies that build for non-workers, like ourselves, workers that work in front of a desktop. So I think the VC now is having this AI moment, obviously, which is, in my opinion, it's a bubble because it's a technology in search of a problem. 
I'm not saying that there are not great companies there that have a lot of interesting problems to solve, but I, the VC is a trend of this. It's riding a wave. But also, if you check the actual big VCs and the successful ones that, that actually bring a lot of value to their LPs, they're still like kind of keeping it cool. There are not so many investments as in with the other tier two or tier three, no offense for tier three or three uh, VCs, but you know what I mean. And I believe that the more they will see how the productivity drops, because that that's what I think will will kind of switch this, right? I think with Gen AI, a lot of desk workers, knowledge workers will be replaced because it's, I mean, it's it's obvious for me that that's the, the percentage of population that will be replaced. And productivity will increase in that sector, in the tech sector, in the administrative sector, financial sector, et cetera. Services sector, Services. yes. But what's going to be left behind is actually the, the critical infrastructure, the utilities, the oil and gas, the plumbing, everything that's actually powering up our, our world, right? And I mean, I don't know, in the US, you see that we, we don't have high-speed trains. We're struggling with infrastructure projects and all these stuff, right? We're kind of falling behind with uh, renewable energy. Uh, not just US, Europe is, isn't even in a worse state than the US, which at least has its own energy. Wow, so interesting. But Europe is in deep problems, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm, I'm very vocal about it because I'm, I'm Romanian. I'm European, so I, I kind of felt all this firsthand. Yeah, yeah, it's a problem. You definitely have a big landscape to solve. Good for you. <laughs> Tell us about this story, about how this came about, what you saw growing up, You know, how you started seeing this as a problem, why you wanted to do something about it. You've got some affinity and some passion there. Yeah, absolutely. So as I told you in the preparation for, <laughs> for this podcast, I kind of saw the problem when I was a little younger. I don't know exactly what they like uh, 30, 14, when I kind of started understanding the world. My dad works as uh, works in maintenance, right? So he's working in oil and gas industry, maintaining like these super large turbines that power up gas plants and, and oil plants, right? So I, I always heard him telling me, hey, like, I don't know, again, they're moving me from A to B. Like, again, I'm going to work overtime. They're pulling us from everywhere. There was like no, no proper planning. So this kind of got stuck into my mind. And then, of course, like during, during my life, I did some, some other stuff, worked in tech on other types of software. And about a year ago, I, I started working more and more and more on, on this problem. Funnily enough, like close to, to my dad's retirement date. Wow, interesting. Right. So, I mean, I can't solve this problem for him. That is the biggest regret, but I'm I'm kidding. No, it's it's not a regret. It, it was just like a, a perfect, perfect timing. No. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's a great story. I know you love your dad. Yeah. Of and you know that was one of the biggest problems that you solve, and of course you had an affinity and reality with to try to solve it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Where is the direction of Epitech going? Like, where are you heavily invested? Where do you want to go? Like, you know, what industries? What's your plan to take over the world, Dragos? We're a very early stage company. As you can see on our website, we, we have a waiting list. So we're, we're picking out companies like by hand. We're trying to figure out exactly where the low hanging fruit is and which are the companies that need the, the product like right now without hesitation. And yeah, I think 
based on what we have now in the pipeline and based on what I covered, I think the first stop will be the energy sector. There is a big push now, as you probably know, like all over the, the Western world now with the war in Ukraine and the dependency on, on Russian energy will severely change the landscape, right? So there will be heavy investments in renewable sources and then local sources of energy, be it gas right there in Romania, be it uh, solar energy that kind of started in the Nordics and then in the US, every country is kind of switching the focus. I believe that the energy sector is actually the perfect one to, to start with because of all these events coming together. Right. Well, it's a big industry. It's a big area. And there is a lot of emphasis and focus on that right now on many different sectors, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. I I kind of didn't expect it. I, I thought I'm going more towards the HVAC, plumbing, utilities, maybe. But what's happening now in the energy sector is just, it's insane. What do you predict, like, if... You know, as this technology and as your technology and your innovation starts to get more adopted and used and, you know, in this particular sector, what are your hopes for what would happen and how could this really change and have a trickle down effect on this industry and others around it? As I said countless times during our our interview, it's basically all about optimizing, right? It's about having those infrastructure projects running. It's about having clean energy and it's about having it sooner rather than later, right? So that we can actually still enjoy this in our in our lifetime, right? We can we can enjoy cheap energy prices, lower prices for gas, more efficient houses, houses that are faster built if we're going towards the construction business, which I think we will do it at a certain point because that's another industry that I have my eyes on, which is ripe for disruption in my opinion. And yeah, I, I believe that optimizing planning and scheduling will actually have a trickle-down effect on, on every sector in which we, we live, like daily. Our daily life will be impacted severely by this and in good, obviously. Yeah, severely. And I didn't even look at the cost of living factor of what that would be improving for everyday people, right? Absolutely. Not just, not just the, the billion workers, any place that energy is used, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's how I see the things as well. That's why I'm, I'm so excited and passionate to solve this. Yeah, it's great. So what do you do outside of Epitaph? What are your crazy passions? I'm a huge football fan. I mean, soccer. Yeah, I was going to say European football or... Well, American. <laughs> American football, yes. I mean, when the World Cup is the world's most huge sports event, I think we can call football. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> In Europe, we call it American football. You do? Okay. Your football. To say. Who's, your, who's your favorite team and what's the funnest game you ever went to? Real Madrid. Started supporting them when I was eight, I think. And in our Bucharest, which is my local team in Romania. And the funnest game was... I haven't been to a Real Madrid game actually yet on the bucket list. Uh, but yeah, I've been to countless games that I can I can remember. European football is, is very passionate. Loads of pyrotechnical stuff yeah. happening. <laughs> like... I, I wouldn't call it fireworks, but you, you get yeah. the you get the image. Yeah, I totally get it. We're, we're very passionate. Yeah, there are a lot of videos on uh, on YouTube about the difference between American football stadiums and European football stadiums. So 
you'll get a picture. Yeah, I totally love that. Well, where I'm from, you know, our football is a religion. So I can completely duplicate and understand what you're saying. Who do you support? Oh, my gosh. Well, in football, I'm a big, like, well, American football, right? American football, of course. You know, we have the NFL, but I'm a big college football fan. Okay. Yeah. And I support the Southeast Conference. We have the best teams in the Southeast Conference, right? So a lot of your Southern teams, there you go. I'm all for them. Got it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And very specific college. You know, I think it is, you know, there's something about college football that, you know, you got your pros in the NFL and that's great. And they're so very good. Then you have some really good players in college, right? But they're not quite as good. So it's more drama, <laughs> right? Oh, okay. So you're it, all for the drama. It can be more <laughs> drama. And then it's just the fan experience. I mean, we have fan experience in the NFL, but you know, college football and the fan experience is literally quite something. I'd love to go sometimes to a college football game. Haven't been. Ditto, I'd like to go to a European soccer game, football. So there you go. Maybe we can meet up. (laughs) Maybe we'll meet up and and do one of each. (laughs) That would be awesome. Okay, so tell us how to get a hold of you. How do our listeners find you? Sure. So, I mean, you can find me on on LinkedIn under my name, like Dragos Grozavo, G-R-O-Z-A-V-U. And you can find us on www.epithet.co. And my email is obviously my first name at epithet.co. I have very good spam tutors, so I'll ditch those if, if there are any of those, but no. Jokes aside, Twitter, LinkedIn, our website, any questions you might have, we're, we're happy to answer, even though we, you're not going to become a client or, or anything like that. I'm just interested to talk to the smart people that are kind of building or that are passionate evil politicians. Yeah, you probably do need to talk to them. They need to understand more about your technology, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's where you can reach me. Any any questions, I'm happy to ask. Fantastic. And what do you want our listeners to take away as inspiration or a motto? Or, you know, what do you want to leave them with as we end this podcast? I'd like people to, to kind of think more about the, um, the deskless workforce about the people that power up our economy, about the, the plumber that comes there, about the, the carpenter that fixes their house, about the, the maintenance guy that, that maintains the, the water, the fresh water system, and, and all these people, and, and just like acknowledge them more. Actually, that's, that's kind of, and there is obviously a life outside of, of the office. That's beautiful. You know, it has given me a new appreciation for that. There's a lot of attention on the other side, but these people are super important. They do run our economy and that's a beautiful tribute to them. Yeah, I didn't prepare it. Just so you know, I just came up with it right now. I love it. (laughs) Good. Awesome. Awesome. Dragos, thank you so much for this. I learned a lot. I'm glad you expanded on it for me. I opened my eyes. I'm now going to be viewing this and I know that you are going to kill it in this area. Thank you so much, Carla. It was obviously a pleasure talking to you. And I really hope this is not our last interview. And we'll get to work together in, in the PR space and even more. Yeah, that's fantastic. Let's tell your story. Perfect. Thank you so much. That's a wrap, everyone. If you learned something today, tell someone about this podcast and tell people to go disrupt their markets with a tidbit from this show. 
Thanks for listening to Disruption Interruption, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Because we live in a highly litigious society with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This advice is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal healthcare or financial advice or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you have heard here. Contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal issue or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links. Do not create an agency client relationship between Joto PR and the user.